0: Justin, you were asking me about what it is like to live outside the schedule of a school. Um, as as our listeners know, you are a teacher. Yeah. So you, while while you are no longer a student, nope. you still have to abide by um, the calendar. Yes, the, the calendar of, yeah. of the school year. Yeah. And uh, I was I was sort of saying to you, like, it's it's what's interesting about you is like being about being friends with you is like I check in on you about like what's what how's school going and then. It, it will always be months in between then and now, right? So you'll be like, school just started, and then I check in with you now and you're like, Yep, finals before holiday break. And I'm like, as a kid, that amount of time was truly, truly vast and deep. And now I true I, I couldn't tell you what I did between school starting for you and right now. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I don't know if a I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I think being being stuck to a school schedule mm-hmm. is like one of the the worst ways to live your life because um it's just you never have that impromptu ability to take yeah, a random yep. vacation in I don't know September if I would take an impromptu like vacation in September I, I I couldn't it would have to be a short weekend trip maybe take a personal day on like a Monday or something like that but it's so rigid with what you have to do that it like is the same every single year now granted getting off holidays getting off major um, like vacations like summer and stuff like that is something I think is an amazing perk of being a teacher don't get sure. me wrong sure, I love sure. it and the fact that my spouse is a teacher that I bet also, that makes it pretty easy huh Yeah, it just is kind of nice. And, like, this year we, like, line up with all of our holidays. Like, sometimes she goes back earlier or we have different spring breaks or whatever. But, like, this year it's, like, lined up pretty perfectly. Like, that is a nice thing to have. And I can kind of count on those days to do stuff. But, like, once you're, like, in the thick of it, it is just, like, you are in the thick of it. And you're just kind of, like, you're stuck in it. So sometimes I just, I wish, I yearn for that freedom.
0: I understand. And and, um, interestingly enough, like, I I imagine this is just the case of the grasping greener for both of us, because I yearn for the annual sense of renewal that comes with being in school. Do you know what I mean? Where like every single year, like you get to the end and it is like, it's done. And it's like what you did last year, like didn't matter, you know, like at this point now. Um, And then like now you get to the end of the summer and then it's like, and now I'm a year older and like all these things changed. and, And like, you know, even though I'm still at school, like, you know, I'm, I'm in new classes and I'm meeting new people and all that sort of stuff. And that just ends as soon as you're done with school. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it, um, it like, might be it different is, for you though. What's that? No, it's like such a hard reset every year because yeah. no matter what, you always say you always say you're going to be better and you do the same thing again every year. Like, <laughs> right? You always have that like it's that refreshing start. Like, for example, the last like two weeks, like you come back from Thanksgiving break, mm-hmm. everyone half of their toes are in the are in winter break already. They are sure. done. They are like, they're there. It's just a different vibe. People are more chill. Like, I'm like, I actually kind of like my classes. It's really nice. And then you come back in January, February. Then it's like, you see that the cold dark of winter. You see all that you have to do to get to summer. And you get that same kind of just like feeling again. But then May starts coming around. And once you get to May, it's all of a sudden like, you know, I don't care. Everything's just happy again. So there is that nice cycle-like nature of being a teacher and living in a teacher schedule. Um that I I am a fan of but uh the fact that when we were planning our honeymoon and our travel agent was like have you thought about May for a honeymoon it's like half the price and we're like <laughs> oh, I can't do it it can't um, do that have I yeah. thought
0: about it sure
1: sure yeah sure. oh yeah yeah just end the school year Woo.
0: Woo. um un- unrelated to what we we're just talking about but talking about your honeymoon you saw the Mona Lisa is that right oh yeah, yeah. I was at the uh, Chicago Art Institute this this past weekend and isn't the Mona? you said the Mona Lisa is like pretty small right it's like a piece of paper yeah, it's
1: like tiny yeah
0: yeah um so i there's this famous painting oh gosh let me look all right i wasn't gonna talk about this but here i am um
1: we do some art critiquing <laughs> uh
0: the ballerina painting um la ballerina ta. Is it okay none of these well there's this painting it's uh, very famous by Degas. Um, maybe Degas ballerina nope Okay. <laughs> um, is it-, it It's these two little girls They're like young um, Young dancers Painting <laughs>
1: Is there? Is this at a museum?
0: It is at the Chicago Art Institute um, <laughs> I had a fridge magnet of it growing up And when I moved my mom gave it to me Along with other a uh, handful of other small Little fridge magnets And uh, growing up I thought she Painted that and uh, I was literally, on Saturday, I learned that, no, it is, is, it, it is in fact, a very, very, very famous painting. <laughs> it's on display at the Art Institute.
1: What? Okay. Like, we don't know who the, the um, like, the illustrator of this is, correct? Wait a second. Gail Spitek. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. No, maybe, I, got I got Maybe, it. in fact.
0: Um, acrobats at the Cir- uh, Cirque Fernando.
1: Uh, <laughs> I love how autocorrect filled that immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, this painting, it's very you know, famous. Uh, Pierre Auguste Renoir. Isn't it funny? Like Renoir. How- Isn't that his name? Mm, yeah. I said Renoir.
0: Yeah. I think he's very famous. Renoir. Go on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know how like we are spoiled by the fact that we like grew up by like the art Institute of Chicago, which is like yeah. a pretty nice oh, museum. Yeah. 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 Did you do, like do an art project in grade school, like a pointillism art project, when you like had to like you look at Sunday in the Park, and then you had and to do like do little dots yourself, do little dots to make your own little image. Totally. Totally. Did you do your own American Gothic?
0: Of course I did. Now that you say that, I have no idea what it was, but I bet it's funny. I bet looking back at it, it's like Pokemon or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what my animal was on top of it too, but yeah, yeah. probably probably a monkey. I was a monkey kid. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. There's a monkey in Sunday at the Park. Right at the front, on the oh, bottom yeah, right Yeah, on
1: the, it's on the leash, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, anyway, God. this has been your um you know, your weekly hitbox art hour. <laughs> and by that I mean it's been about five minutes. It's hitbox. everyone. Welcome back to Hitbox episode number 173. My name is Peter Hunt Spitek. Joining me, as always, is my wonderful friend and co host, Justin Makovich. Justin, how are things? I know we spoke a little bit at the top of the show here about your um, get, getting to the end of your school year, but uh, other than that, doing good? Uh, yeah, we're just getting ready
1: to host the holidays. Uh, I told you a little bit about the fact that I made a lot of meat for myself, and I've mm-hmm. been eating a lot of that meat trying to test out this recipe. Um, it's it's hard to to cook for like 14 people, you know?
0: Oh, I imagine. Are you doing so, that all in one day or are you doing that like beforehand?
1: Well, the I'm, gonna, I'm using a slow cooker sort of in order to make sure that we have enough oven room. So like yeah, we're doing a yeah. slow cooker. We got some air frying going on. We got our oven set up. We got all of our like toaster ovens. We got a lot of things to put food in and we are ready for it. Um, the interesting thing is, uh, we, we're trying to, trying to find a table that can seat 14, 14. That is actually quite a
0: large number, isn't
1: it? It's quite big, quite big. Um, Archie though, he will definitely be the one carving, carving our, our pot roast.
0: (laughs) So when I, like maybe five years ago, this is pre COVID for sure. Um, it was Easter. My grandparents were over. We're having Easter dinner. A ham, obviously. But we usually like we don't keep the ham on the table because like, you know, we're eating on the table like and the smaller dishes are getting passed around. So we are in the dining room. We cannot see the ham because it's in the kitchen. And I hear this sound of it just like kind of like slurping and chomping <laughs> in in a way that's like not what you'd hear at dinner. You know, like, hmm, what's that sound? So um, we had two dogs at the time. Lily, the older dog. Paws up on the counter gnawing off pieces of this ham and also throwing different pieces of ham down to Bean, Aww. the smaller dog. So they were both having just a big old fucking ham dinner, <laughs> and we like we weren't mad because you're like we left a ha- we left a delectable ham unattended <laughs> with two dogs.
1: Well, I, I mean, I can only imagine that conversation. Beans like, ah oh, man, I wish I could reach it, and Lily's like, I think I, I, I can this. reach yeah, it, and, yeah, and Beans yeah. like, I don't know if you could, and then Lily's like, oh, oh yes, I can, and it, then they still. Shared. Do you ever have? Nice. Do,
0: do you ever have those moments though, where you're like, "If I could pull this off," wait a second, I could pull this off, and like that was that for them for sure. So um,
1: Archie is like not big enough to get on the counter. Yeah, yeah, but he started doing this thing when I'm trying to like when I'm eating something that he wants and I'm like making it preparing it. He'll like jump up on my leg and like do the little like begging thing with his two front paws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except he is just the right height that he goes on the back of my knee. That Ooh. if he would put just a little bit more pressure on the back of my knee, I would totally collapse and drop whatever yeah, I am yeah, holding. Yeah. So the second he learns that he has that power, is the second he's going to be a lot pudgier.
0: <laughs> he he wields such a great a great ability, but. Uh- um, I'm glad he's responsible with it or simply doesn't know that he has it.
1: I would say ignorant. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably it.
0: Well, Justin, as long as much as I would love to talk about, um, just, just the little, little rascal activities that our dogs get into. Um, I know that people do come to us for video game knowledge, um, and news. Here's a preview of what's coming up. E3 officially dies. Like actually for real, this time everyone. <laughs> it is like not kidding. Super, super dead. Um, for real, it's in the ground, is buried, 100% not coming back. The funniest thing that could happen is it does come back. That's story we want. Uh, <laughs> next up, we got Naughty Dog officially announces the death of the Last of Us factions, and Sony applies for a patent to make dynamic game difficulty. We're going to talk about those three things and more. Before we do... I'd like to tell our listeners that they can join our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. They can also find us on Patreon.com slash HitboxPod and become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jay Null, Dave Parker, and GKS. Every single week, those deluxe podcast producers are getting additional 30-minute bonus episodes. Um, Today, we're talking about things that we think are 10 out of 10s, like the acrobats dave francais or whatever it was the painting that i thought my mom made <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um uh, we'll be talking about that uh today which i don't know i think it's interesting i'm curious to hear i mean you know obviously like we've talked to like a lot of video games that we think are like astounding but i'm curious for you justin um what sort of extends outside of the realm of that doesn't matter we're going to talk about that in the bonus episode for those deluxe patreon producers if you cannot um, spare us any cash, that's totally fine. You can follow us on Twitter at hitboxpod um or rate us in this in the podcast player of your choice. But Justin, enough about all of that. I want to go to the Metacritic Roundup.
1: <laughs> Let's go. Metacritic Roundup.
0: Just one game in the Metacritic Roundup. I imagine that we're not gonna have a whole lot in the next sort of week and a half here. Um Asgard's Wrath 2. For the MetaQuest. Now, why are we talking about a MetaQuest game, Justin? It's because it scored a 94 (laughs) based on 11 critic reviews. A lot of 10 out of 10s. IGN gave it a 10 out of 10. GG Recon gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, Devastator, the user, Metacritic user, gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, This is reviewed quite well. And people are saying that this is probably a killer app for VR. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly true, just because, like, I don't think I'm gonna get a, a quest for this necessarily, but like it is one of those things where okay, if there are enough games that keep coming to these platforms, to VR platforms really, I might be a little bit more interested. So 94 Justin, what does this tell you about this game?
1: Uh man, this could have like really changed the the dynamic of our of our fantasy uh yeah. critic draft if someone did this. I mean a ninety four that comes out this late in it granted there's not there's uh let's see what eleven reviews so far. Yep. So not a ton, but like enough uh, to make it a really good game, um, I I think it's so hard with VR because you want there to be nine ninety four out of a hundred games for VR, but like audiences just aren't there to have these kind of games that are quality enough that are as big and expansive enough. I mean, this is like a full sized RPG, yeah. Um, to to get me to want to buy a a VR headset, um, I think these are great you're right i don't think this is going to get me to buy um a meta um but it makes it a little bit closer for me to want to buy a meta
0: but that's the thing now i go okay well there's asgard's rav 2 there's resident evil 4 vr there's vr chat what what else is there (laughs) i mean like um but but like i guess like this is to your point right about like there, there just have to be enough. Like, well, if I get this, there's this, and also this, and then also this, and then also this, and that's when it starts to become like, yeah, I could see myself, you know,
1: picking one of these up. Uh, that Assassin's Creed game that actually scored pretty well, didn't it? Oh, did the, it? the Nexus game,
0: Assassin's Creed Nexus. Let's see here.
1: I fit, well, it's like a sixty, which for a VR game is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> and for an Assassin's Creed game, it's all right.
1: Whoa.
0: Yo, yo, um. Uh, I'm trying to find this quickly. Metacritic is not an incredible website. Sometimes I'm going to things up. No, 79.
1: Okay. 79 like on the Metacritic. Not plus. bad for, for that. Um, but yeah, the, the the more stuff that's out there, the more likely I'm going to do it. I'm going to be honest. PSVR 2 is not going to be the thing that I think I'm going to invest my next VR headset in. Um, it's definitely going to be something that uh, is like, more wireless and, and connected to like, a, a PC Um not just yeah. because I'm, like, a PC person, but, like, I think that is ridiculous. I still cannot get over the fact that I do not have my library of PSVR games on my PSVR2. Like, I think that's Agreed. inexcusable.
0: Um, I also think that, like, um, it is... <sighs> the, the, Sony hasn't, like, supported it, really. <laughs> you know, like, like they just, they did their big launch for it, and then just truly I've heard nothing about, about the PSVR2.
1: I I mean, it's worse than the PSVR. And the PSVR already had, like, a lot of issues with it. But, like, they kept churning out games and ports and things like that for the PSVR. Um, PSVR PSVR2, you just don't hear about as much. And to be honest, Sony really hasn't been that big on showcases uh, that are, like, substantial, I think. They're more, like, mini kind of... Well,
0: it's just so weird because they used to... I mean, like, it felt like... The first few months after PSVR came out, there was like, okay, we're going to show off three games, but they were always the same sort of like generic ass shooters or whatever, you know, or or games that we had already seen before that got pushed and delayed, which is fine. But it just like it doesn't like encourage me like, oh, there's like a must play experience on on PSVR, too. Like if I had one, would I try out Call of the Mountain? Yeah, I wouldn't want to pay for it. But if someone had it, I'd give it a shot or like humanity i bet would be really cool but like i thought humanity was really cool without the psvr
1: you well know, and i mean even thinking about new people to get in on board with this like uh, can you look up while i talk about this, the price of a meta quest 2 like how much mm-hmm. those would run me wait like, a two or a three what which, which one is this is Asgard on wrath three for? now is that what the only one it can be played on i don't i don't know I mean, at least look up what a three is just to, to get that yeah. idea in my head because, like, for someone to try out VR, they would need to buy the PS5, they would need to buy the PSVR 2, and they need to buy the game. And that is already a huge amount of money for something that does not have a ton of support for. Granted, I have the PS5 already, but, like, at a certain point, like, is it going to be worth it even to get the PSVR 2 without having more support for it? I don't know. I don't think so. I got a
0: question for you, Justin. Do you want to buy a MetaQuest 3? 128 gigabytes with Asgard's Wrath 2 included in it because that'll run you 499.99.
1: Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Yeah, send it. Send it my. Oh wait, it's not that much. No, I'm not kidding you. Oh yeah, send it my way. That's actually not a horrible deal. No, um, I guess it really
0: depends on like how much storage you want on it. Or yeah, that would be storage, huh? Because um, then the, the other tier is 512 gigs and that's 650, but also but it includes Asgard's Wrath.
1: That is still cheaper. Than getting the PS five and then the PSVR two, VR two, yeah, like, uh, yeah.
0: Um, but then even then, let's see, MetaQuest two, I bet is like pretty cheap at this point, huh? Um, Best
1: Buy, it. let's see. Oh, I can do a plan. Twenty seven seventy eight months. MetaQuest month. Quest two for
0: one hundred twenty eight gigs is two hundred fifty dollars right now, and then the uh two hundred fifty six gig one is three hundred bucks.
1: My God, I'm going to, again, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, If you have not tried VR, it is so worth it um, to try it and have it Mm -hmm. and play with it. I cannot recommend, though, spending an ungodly amount of money for it as of now, mostly because it just does not even, you know, the medical, quest two at that price you just don't get the support you don't get the games like asgard's wrath frequently enough to really invest in that ecosystem so regardless of me getting it or not i'm glad this game exists yes it piques my interest it makes me one step closer to buying another vr headset um but uh just still not enough at this point so something
0: else interesting about it i I would say is that um uh this seems to be a pretty long game too um, which has not been my understanding of like, uh, a lot of VR games tend to be kind of shorter experiences just cause it's, you know, um, it, it seems like it's more experimental tech and also like people don't necessarily want like people, it makes people sick sometimes for like being in it for too long. Um, but this IGN review says that it was a 90 plus hour runtime, which like it's pretty substantial, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Um, I will say I mentioned this before we started recording and I said I would explain it. Um, this game, Asgard's Wrath 2, was projected into the, the night sky of Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> um, while I was there. Uh, after the Game Awards got out, basically like they funnel you acro- sort of like across the street. Um, so you, when you leave, when you come in, you come in from the right. But when you leave, they have you leave to the left of the theater. Because the guest entrance and exit is also to the right, so I assume that all of the guests who are there, who want to leave without being like harassed for photos or whatever, are leaving that way, right? While well, they is, sort is, of is that you where you the- left? Uh, I had the thought of like I should go over that way, <laughs> maybe see if I can't <laughs> run into Alan Wake or whoever. You know what I mean? Uh, I did not do that because instead they had. Um, a bunch of people in cosplay for this game walking around on the street taking pictures with people and then they had this like it was like this really really small like not small but like very very thin screen that was like way high in the sky across the street and it was projecting like a character from this game like I assume the bad guy like breaking through a portal coming out and being like, who dares challenge me or whatever, you know what I mean? Swinging his little staff around and then like going back in the portal over and over again. But like the screen was basically see-through. So it like looked like he was like in the sky. It was kind of cool.
1: That is, I mean, that is so cool. Um, I'm still... I don't still have it in my new house. I don't quite have a good enough wall for a projector TV in general or a projector, mm-hmm. a nice projector, but those things are freaking impressive. And the fact that it was in the sky, <laughs> like <laughs> how, how much money do you think that projector was? I don't know. But that, like, that's the thing is like, we walked
0: out and, and they talked about this game briefly. Cause Matt Mercer is in it and he came out during the game awards and like talked about it, but it was one of those things where like, I don't know, not to disparage VR, but I was like, yeah, man, like get your check. like like you got to get your bag like you know be in as many games as you need dude um and and so like when this game was the one being advertised we were me and sam were both just like i don't this is just some game (laughs) you know what i mean like this is just some random thing but turns out i mean it's got the 94 94 yeah it does um so yeah so there you go Asgard's Rav 2 the other game in the Metacritic roundup Justin is God of War Ragnarok Valhalla, Valhalla. Um, th- this launched the day of the game awards it was one of those announcements that was like and you can play it right now um it's DLC and it's apparently it's like a it's like a roguelite DLC um that has some additional sort of story content on here and it scored an 85 on the PS5 it's not scored on the PS4 but I think it's on there though um Justin do you have any interest in this
1: Uh, Yeah, actually enough to have downloaded uh, God of War again. I haven't played it yet, Um, but I have downloaded it and I will try it out. Um, I think the fact that there is significant story, Mm -hmm. I think, is enough to get me interested. Um, The gameplay itself, I don't know if I'm that excited to play. I don't know if, if a roguelike is the thing I'm looking to play right now. Um, But this seems to be a good one. And, you know, when people throw up words like uh, 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 dead cells and um, what's that other one? People love Hades next to it. I think it's a good sign. And I think, to be honest, a lot of the combat in God of War was one of those things that there was so much there, but I never really engaged with it.
0: It felt Um, like there was there was
1: a lot on top
0: of one another. In a way that
1: was, like, a little too much for me. but And it was too much for me, but, like, I found what I was comfortable with, and I kind of stayed with it. Yeah, yeah, it's like you have the options
0: to expand, but, like, I didn't want to.
1: So, like, being able to expand and, like, try different things, I think that could be a a new way to enjoy the combat. Because it is really good. And whenever I watch, like high-level play of God of War Ragnarok, I'm like, I, it doesn't look like what I did. <laughs> Not at all,
0: yeah. I'm a uh,
1: Yeah, but, um, so yeah, cool. I, I'm, I'm excited enough to at least try this, and um, I hope the gameplay loop is at least good enough to sustain me through any of the story beats in it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not going to play this, I don't think, just because of, like, my time, <laughs> you know? What? If you play this, I want to hear about it, um, because, like, I'm also curious, you know, I'm not a hugely God of War fan, outside of the the two recent ones, and um, here's the pull quote from Digital Trends, which gave it an eight. God of War Ragnarok Valhalla, uh, bad name, by the way, God of War Ragnarok Valhalla isn't just a free, isn't just free, fun DLC. It's a fitting epilogue to the entire God of War series. So I've heard that there's, like, that it talks about some of the stuff from the first few games, you know, um, and, and so I'm I'm curious in that about that, but I, I didn't play those, so I, I don't know if I'm gonna like really pick it up, you know what I mean, and like totally understand it. So um, I, I'm curious uh, from from someone who
1: has. Well, there's a scene that when like you you just you're on a boat, and then you like turn around at the start of the level, and there's a bunch of women standing there, and then you can like press circle, and then it like pans out, and you get a bunch of orbs. And you can do that a couple times. Orbs? Yeah, like health.
0: It pans out? Oh, because you're having sex with them?
1: I, I'm not saying that. That's crass.
0: So do you... Never mind. I'm not actually... I'm going to save myself some editing work right now. <laughs> i not sort of say what I was going to say. Not really say it. It, was like, it wasn't bad. Just... <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't matter. We're a family show. Fuck. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, this seems interesting enough, but it, it's just like I, I don't know if I'm going to do it. So I'm, I'll be curious to hear from you. Um, also, like I wonder if it's if it's an epilogue for the entire God of War series. That's interesting. But if it's an, like another epilogue for just God of War Ragnarok, I don't think it needs it. I think that game had like a pretty knockout ending epilogue with that final funeral scene. But um, yeah, I don't know.
1: I think anytime you have like a story like God of War uh, 2018 and God of War Ragnarok, um, you have an opportunity to make the older games better in their story because you have a character who is like actually developed for once reflecting on those moments. So I think you can get a lot out of this Kratos going back. And they already have that a lot in the base game, but like really going through some of the stuff, Um, you know, I, I think the dialogue I'm assuming, like, I I don't know how many other characters are in there, but at the very least it's you and Mimir.
0: Yep. I've heard that there's some interesting returning characters, but I don't know what that means.
1: So like, I, I think that uh, in and of itself is enough, um, to like, just have Kratos become an even deeper character. Um, Mm -hmm. do, do you think, uh, this is, this free DLC is longer, or shorter than the most recent Call of Duty campaign.
0: I've heard that it is longer. Uh, I saw a lot lot of Call of Duty developers, like, news stories about, like, Call of Duty developers were upset about Christopher Judge's joke at the Game Awards, where he said, he was like, my speech was longer than this year's Call of Duty campaign. Ah! Which uh, I thought was kind of funny. I mean, I don't know, like, I heard that was short and also shitty, and Christopher Judge talked for a long time, and I thought it was interesting, so there's that. Um, But then I'm also like... These developers like grow a fucking skin. I know. Remember like he he didn't like it's 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 like a good intention to joke. Like
1: I, you you remember the year when they didn't even have a campaign in the Call of Duty because they're like, yeah, no one plays that anyway. How long to beat? Modern Warfare 3.
0: Campaign. Three to five hours. I mean, like, truly, what like are you trying to go to bat for that? Do you know what I mean? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm interested in this. I will uh can't wait for your review is what i'm trying to say
1: yep once i beat baldur's gate 3 i'll be right on top of that
0: sure 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 um oh, i just heard what you said uh, <laughs> <laughs> justin yes justin baldur's gate 3 is very good
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's quite good it's but it's quite quite it's good. A pri- probably a short game too right
0: yeah super short I, I'm, I'm i'm done with it already <laughs> throwing that to the side
1: oh um, wow no sure. it's really
0: good it's one of those things where like I went back and and sort of followed a quest line because I was, like, thinking that I was done with the area. But I was like, oh, no, I could go do this. And I went and did that. And then it opened up a fully, fully new map that I hadn't seen
1: before. Are you still, like, level two? I'm level six. Oh, you're pretty far along then. Yeah, we're coming along. We're coming along. Okay. All right. All right. Congrats. You've done it. I
0: will say, like, when you start out, like, you level up, like, not super frequently, but, like, frequently enough to be like, okay, like, i'm seeing where this is going and then now i'm leveling up infrequently enough to like each time i level up it's like a big deal and i'm like mm, really excited mm. about it um yeah it, it is it's it's quite good um i haven't like i haven't played a ton this week though because i spent a lot of time playing spider-man 2 the movie the game from 2004 for a video i'm working on
1: how on long our friend our friend
0: josh's playstation 2
1: <laughs>
0: um that is actually a good question how long to beat Spider-Man 2, 2004. <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, Six hours. Oh
1: no. Okay. So I imagine... Wait, I imagine wait, 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 wait.
0: Longer than Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. Um, interestingly enough, though, this is developed by Treyarch, makers of Call of Duty. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. It is. It, it's pretty good. Uh, uh, it, it, it's interesting um maybe that's the better way to say it because i'm i'm doing it working on a video like comparing this game to spider-man 2 from earlier this year uh, and and i don't know I, I think that's sort of an to me the reason why i'm making it is because i think it's kind of an interesting point of comparison to say like yeah like what is like like how do these compare because a lot of people say you know spider-man 2 is the best video the best superhero video game ever made um and i mean like it definitely suffers from old games or old syndrome um, but I do understand where that opinion is coming from, especially from someone who's never played it before
1: uh so tell me tell me um in general, like for that game though, like how does it feel besides bad? It being old?
0: um yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where like uh and I'm working on the script for this video right now, and I talk about like hey this is it's it's unfair to compare a video game that is almost 20 years old to a game that just came out this year because like it's just like they're different experiences built in different times based on different technology based on different like you know games that came before them um but what i will say is that it is interesting because you can see how just how many ideas are in that that game Spider-Man 2 that almost entirely unedited make it back into the Spider-Man 2 from this year um like i mean the web sw- swinging is almost completely unchanged in terms of like the mechanic of it of just like it is is 2 and you swing. In Spider-Man 2 the game, the movie the game, it is tougher because it is actually a mechanic that requires like skill and thought and precision whereas in Spider-Man 2 the video game from this year um it's not that hard, right? Like like it takes some like rhythm, but it's it's not a particularly challenging um, mechanic or you, you don't necessarily Have to like be thinking about Like the buildings that are Around you and like which hand You're swinging from whereas you Definitely do in in the, the movie The game version but um, did
1: you Did you uh, play spider-man Two, marvel spider-man 2 Without the web swinging assists on It no So you could basically turn off, like, as much of the the comic-y stuff as possible so you actually have real momentum as you're doing it. Um, And it can actually change it so it's much slower but much more, like, physics accurate towards how you're angling and how you're actually swinging. Um, And they do a lot of things, like, in the, like, just the standard web assist of that game that, like... Even if you don't hit the web in time, you automatically start shooting out webs before you hit the ground. But when you take off the web assist, if you don't do it in time, you just fall on the ground. (laughs)
0: Okay, that's actually interesting. So I'm gonna like 100% for sure check that out. I didn't know that was a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't do it myself because I don't find that fun. (laughs) But um, it's definitely an option that you can play around with.
0: Sure, sure. And that's something too that I'm I'm talking about in the video about like, um, is it better in Spider-Man 2, the movie, the game? Uh, yeah, for what that game is, because it's not a game that has a lot of substance to it. You you like half of the objectives are go fight random crimes, right? Like that's not there's nothing, <laughs> you know? So um, um, you basically like w- swinging from place to place is like has to be like the part. Like that's what the game is, you know, um, whereas Spider-Man 2 from this year, like there's so much more to it. That's actually very interesting. I'm going to 100 percent check that out. Um, probably once we're done doing this podcast because, oh, because now I need to know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it it is, it was sort of interesting to play. Um, it is an old game. I I prefer Marvel's Spider-Man 2, but I also just have no nostalgia for
1: Spider-Man 2, the movie, the game. Do you know what it initially reviewed as when it came out?
0: Um, no, but like everything I've ever heard about it is like, this is one of the best games of all time.
1: Oh, just like how Spider-Man 2 the movie is one of the best superhero movies of all time, and then you watch it again, and you realize it's not quite that. uh Oh,
0: you don't think you don't think it's good? <laughs> no. You don't old think movies Spider-Man are two.
1: Old movies are old. Really? Yeah.
0: Now that's very interesting, Justin.
1: Uh, to me. Oh, oh no! What are you doing? Are you?
0: I'm just saying. Like I. I think it's incredible um spider-man 2 on the xbox the original xbox got an 83 oh wait no this is just the let's see here uh playstation 2 and 80 gamecube 80 xbox 83
1: not bad i think it won more game awards than marvel spider-man 2 as well
0: (laughs) everyone was all mad about that i don't know do you think it deserved to win anything
1: accessibility
0: accessibility maybe but i thought that the other game that won accessibility is also like pretty fucking good at that
1: yeah yeah um it's just hard. I mean, in in a year like this, I think yeah. uh, like it just doesn't have quite the category for it. And um, I mean, action adventure was that what it was in? Is it better than Zelda? It was one of them? No, it's not. Like there are elements of that. I can't even necessarily just with a bullet tell you that getting around the map is more fun in Spider Man Two than it is in Zelda.
0: I mean, like like it's in my opinion, it's not. It's fun. Right. It's fucking fun. It's satisfying to do. Like, I like it. I'm not trying to say it's not, like, not good. But, like, in Zelda, like, getting around is is the game. And you think about, like, how am I going to get there? And then you go, like, oh, I accidentally ended up here. Oh, what's that? You know?
1: I mean, one of my most enjoyable, like, aspects of playing Zelda was getting around the depths and 100%ing that area. Yeah, and finding yeah. out how to do that. And um, did it control as well as swinging on the, on the web? No, but, like, it was fun. It, it was, was a, a pl-
0: that adds to like the hilarity of it, though. And yeah. like the and also like when you build something that's like held together by like tape and glue and hope and a prayer and it works and it, you're like, this was awesome. And then when it doesn't work, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, you know, but. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Um, Justin, I also played a little bit of Disney Illusion Island. Oh, um, and that is a fun game. If you are looking for just a little basic 2d
1: platformer now that was my vote for best family game over super mario wonder do you think it'd be a better family game than super mario wonder
0: haven't played it co-op so i don't know but probably super mario wonder is not a good family game no it's not simply it is not a fun game to play with your family that i have found um but uh yeah i would say it probably is
1: um i i So I I didn't play it this week. I played a couple of weeks back after I'd been playing a lot of PlayStation portal and I picked Mm -hmm. up my switch for the first time. I got so frustrated holding those joy cons, trying to play Mario. I kept pressing the wrong buttons with my big ass, fat ass thumbs on those little (laughs) buttons. I don't know whose idea it was in Mario that you have to hold down the run button. Why can't you just not hold down the run button? When are you not running in Mario? Peter, Dude, it's a strand type game. You got to be really
0: careful about like. <laughs> you got to be really uh, deliberate about how you how you're moving in that game. So,
1: but like, is there a moment when you don't have to run in that game? Like, why?
0: Just yeah, be fast. You, yeah, just be fast because you like. We we've, we've figured out like fully tilt it to run, tilt it halfway to walk. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we got this. It's it's fine. Yeah, Disney L- Illusion Island though, pretty good. I'm enjoying it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you've been taught, you've been playing Alan Link 2. Um, you've got some spoilerly, spoilery thoughts about it. So we're going to save that discussion for the end of the episode. Does that sound good for you? Yeah, let's do it. Amazing. I see you've been playing Lego Fortnite.
1: <laughs> they fucking ripped off Minecraft, man. Is it, is it
0: really Minecraft heavy? I've heard it, that okay. I heard
1: that, but so, so I, I go to play and I thought we could potentially do it for a bonus show, but this would have just been like the Disney Speedstorm shit because you have to like do a few things before you can actually mm-hmm. like get your friend involved. And I was like, that's not gonna be interesting. But it's literally like it it is like a like a survival game. Um it's a little bit more at least upfront objective based than minecraft is i feel like a lot of the minecraft objectives are hidden a little bit but like you're going around and you're building shit and you gotta like you know punch trees and pickaxe rocks and Mm -hmm. do stuff and and eat and it's cold and there's skeletons that chase you these little things that explode i picked up an exploding barrel and i exploded at least four things including myself around with, with it um and while I don't think this is a game for me, I am so just flipping confused that this game exists. <laughs> like, it's, it's like not yeah. even quite a Lego game, but it has the Lego skin on it in a Fortnite world that's doing Minecraft stuff that has the appearance of Lego stuff. It is the most confusing game that people are gonna lose their shit about you can like uh create your own world have eight people play in it it's open enough that you can do a lot of exploring and building and there's like like leveling up a a settlement that you can start like there's legitimately enough that people could really really get into this game um i think when i was first looking at the previews of it i thought like it was just like a skin or a new map that you were Lego mm-hmm. characters in, but no, you're you're literally like I'm my Fortnite character in like uh like a Lego outfit. They like Legoized. I did what see my that they did every is. single thing. Yeah, it is insane. Just that like level of detail. I don't know. Un- I don't understand it. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna play much more of it. But like, God, Jesus, epic. Jesus, what? Like, it's insane. It would be like if they had a Minecraft mode in Fortnite, that you could play minecraft but it was really like you were playing with legos in the minecraft world instead of minecraft world bricks like it it
0: seems cool i've not dipped into it yet but it seems like it seems like just as involved as minecraft is and it's like just as deep and interesting uh how much money is it
1: too uh uh free 99 I believe. it's free 99 It's yes. to the point where i haven't put a single penny into this game and mm-hmm. i have like eight skins i have a bunch of different glider options like i have all this stuff and i haven't put a cent into this game in my whole life sure. nor will sure. i ever i even have two christmas outfits man how kind of fun i know i'm a I'm big like little snow snow abominable bear thing or whatever it is
0: i've put some money into into that game yeah i would the say only- probably 60 to 80 dollars
1: uh, the only thing I'm going to buy, if they ever have a just the straight-up dab emote, I will buy that right on the spot. Would you da- buy uh, flossing? Uh, no, because I, listen, I don't think I can physically floss. I tried it. My dentist tells me I don't. So
0: ah, right,
1: you got him. I do dab, though. I do, I, <laughs> I, yes, I'm know. familiar with this.
0: I'm familiar with this. Um, may I direct you to this photo of us at your wedding? all that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to try it out eventually. It's just one of those things like, um, uh, I just got to sit down with it. You know, the rock band, that yeah. I think I talked about last week where it's just like, yeah, this is, um, kind of interesting. It's a little like, there's nothing to it. It's just like a rhythm game. If you want to listen to Mr. Brightside or poker face or something like it's good. Uh, or like, is it a little
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, four players. That's 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 all it takes. You get these. You get a group of people together. You say, let's hang out in Fortnite for the night. What do you want to do? And it's not just playing the battle. You you have options of things to do. It is it is brilliant. Yeah. But insane. Like doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't compute. But it's brilliant.
0: They're doing Roblox. I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to overtake Roblox as being like that digital hangout spot for kids.
1: Yeah, and maybe it'll work. Who knows? Um, me, it seems- I, pre- I, I prefer hanging out with Bluey and Miss Rachel.
0: It seems like it is um, more like it's maybe a little less predatory than Roblox is. Roblox is very, very, very money oriented with like, like, like real, like having like force, like trying to get kids to like actually buy things. You know what I mean? And like Fortnite does that too. The First thing that happens when you start the game up is Battle Pass comes up. You got to like close eight notifications about like spend money on this, spend money on this, spend money on this. But like, in my opinion, once you get through that, like loading up a game or loading up any one of those like games that they have in there. Now it's not like ads in your face. It's not like to play this game. You must spend money. Whereas that is how it is on Roblox. But what do I know? Let's talk with the news.
1: Let's do it.
0: All right. Okay. We've talked about this a bunch of times and now it's for real. E3 is dead at E3 on Twitter tweets. After more than two decades of E3, each one bigger than the last, the time has come to say goodbye. Thanks for the memories. And then um, there's been all sorts of reporting on on the end of E3, but basically the ESA just says um, it, it's it's time it's time for it to be done. Um, and uh, I, I think that makes sense based on what E3 has been doing um, and like, or like trying to do and trying to be and trying to figure out what it wants to be. Um, especially when you've got things like Summer Game Fest and the Game Awards. Um, but we i feel like we've talked about this sort of story before right about the death of e3 but Justin, i just want to hear now that it is like there is a nail in the coffin what like what do you think
1: um so there's a washington post uh, article by gene park um yep. and he gets uh some comments in here from who is this it's uh pierre lewis pierre lewis let's see is, who are you yeah hey, who are you pierre um uh,
0: Stanley Pierre Lewis, president and CEO of the nonprofit trade association that represents the games industry's interests in the United States.
1: So according to this article, um, Gene says, in an interview with The Washington Post, Pierre Lewis seemed well aware of the circumstances that hurt attendance. There were fans who were invited to attend in the later years, but it was really uh, – but. It really was about a marketing and business model for the industry and being able to provide the world with information about new products, he said. Companies now have access to consumers and to business relations through a variety of means, including their own individual showcases. Well, I get it. Other showcases are still happening. Other events, industry events are still happening, right? Like, I feel like it's too simplistic to say the reason E3 is not working anymore is because there are other ways to get news and information.
0: Yeah, because that's like, yes, that is a part of it, but it's not what it was about. It was a trade show, right? It was a trade show for for, um, people in the games industry to meet each other and say, hey, I'm making a game. Oh, you're a publisher? Let's sit down and talk. There were like meeting rooms at E3, you know, or like Walmart and Target was there to meet, publishers and say show me what you got. Okay, let's print, you know, 4 million copies of your game and put in our store shelves, you know. So yes, yes, of course. The um the fact that other showcases exist is and and have high, you know, view viewing numbers and whatever sort of splits the attention of publishers to sh- to show off trailers and stuff. But that's not all that E3 was about, you know.
1: Right. And I mean I think it's a shame, obviously, like I'm not yeah. like celebrating like E3 going down as anything. Um, I always feel like that was a great time for this industry, for video games in general, for everyone to, you know, have public public facing people, um, be presenting their ideas to have the public watching these ideas and be interested to have the, the news outlets getting scoops and, and, and uh, watch longs and all this stuff to, from the industry side, as you're saying, making connections with developers and in the industry, like, I I feel like those things are going to be what is going to be missed the most. And while there is, there are other things out there, not to the kind of central location that e3 was and not every company can afford to send people to these events and now there are so many of them it just it's it, it, it is just kind of a sad reality um of how the industry is, is shifting to a little bit but also it shows that e3 was just unable to adapt um i think one of my yeah. like, s- conspiracy theories here is you're fucking hosting this in la that is an expensive place And when the the ESA has to charge uh, companies a crap ton of money in order to have their showcases here, of course, they're not going to want to go there. Of course, they're going to want to do different things. Um, Part of that move to Atlanta, you know, probably a cost saving (laughs) uh, idea to a certain point, even though it was further away from where. Um, I think a lot of journalists and a lot of the industry is in LA and California area. So I I don't know. I I feel like part of it is part of it is just the ESA just being killed by the market of how much stuff costs today.
0: Yeah. And and I think like you're totally right though, but like if you, if you're a company, like who are you going to send to where and to what like packs, you could do that, but that's a fan event. You know, like like at the end of the day, like, yeah, you know, publishers are going to be there maybe, but like, it's a fan event. It's not like, yes, you can make connections at PAX and, and whatever, but like, which, first of all, which PAX are you going to go to? Second of all, like the people who work there who are like working booths and stuff are for the most part, probably not the people who are going to be like able to be execs and like help make those like connections be like, have any real substance to them, right? The Game Awards. Yeah, I met a lot of people there because I'm a journalist. And so I met a lot of journalists there. And yeah, we met some execs of different companies and, and and developers and stuff like that. And that was cool. But like for the most part, like there's no guarantee that those people are going to be there or want to talk to you or that you're even going to run into them. You know what I mean? Phil Spencer was there apparently didn't see him. You know what I mean? Like all sorts of all sorts of like big execs were at these events. I didn't ever see them, you know. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think it is tough. And I think that this was a. Yeah, I, I think the ability to not adapt, right? And it, it's interesting, too, because it was an offshoot of, like, CES, which is, what, the computer entertainment show or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, it, which takes place in January every year in Vegas, uh, which I imagine is also probably an expensive place to put an event on. But what I'm trying to say here is, like, you're totally right. It doesn't need to be in L.A. In fact, it wasn't in L.A. forever, right? For the most part, like, it, it moved around for a while before it, like, sort of settled in L.A. But I, I think it could have been fine. Um and just and just like, I think shifting the expectation of it being a trailer thing, you know, j- just where it's like we're doing all the showcases and stuff and making it more of a networking industry event. I think I mean, OK, <coughs> that's me saying this, the guy who's so smart, the guy who could have fixed it. <laughs> Obviously, I'm sure they've thought about that and talked about that and came up with a thousand reasons why it couldn't work. But um, what I'm trying to say is, in my opinion, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and I think Jeff Keeley was really excited when this happened.
1: Um, and just looking at a really brief uh, look at things, yeah, I know Vegas is expensive, but um, Las Lost Las Vegas, Nevada, the medium home price um, is l- like less than half of what it is in LA. <laughs> yeah,
0: I bet. yeah, no, I bet, I bet, so. I bet. Um, yeah. So, so long E three. Um, I feel like this has been eulogized over and over and over again.
1: I um, can't. I can't wait for the Devolver uh, showcase next year. <laughs> yeah, What are they even gonna do? Uh, I mean, they'll just have like basically it'll be like a they'll tr- do something weird where they try to like bring up E three from the grave.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess, huh?
1: And they'll make a game about it.
0: Yeah. So there you go. That is the death of E three. Speaking of the death, <laughs> um. Naughty Dog posted an update on The Last of Us online, as they call it, not factions, but The Last of Us online. Uh, And I'm just going to read this this full thing out loud here. We realize many of you have been anticipating news around the project that we've been calling The Last of Us online. There's no easy way to say this. We've made the incredibly difficult decision to stop development on that game. We know this news will be tough for many, especially our dedicated The Last of Us factions community who have been following our multiplayer ambitions ardently. We're equally crushed as at the studio, as we've been looking forward to putting it in your hands. We wanted to share with you some background of how we came to this decision. I like this, by the way, like not only saying like, Hey, this isn't happening, but also like, Hey, here's why for, for just, I think, I think this sort of stuff is, is interesting and also helps people understand, um, how, um, making games works a little bit more. Uh, anyway, The multiplayer team has been in pre-production with this game since we were working on The Last of Us Part 2, crafting an experience we felt was unique and had tremendous potential. As the multiplayer team iterated on their concept for The Last of Us Online during this time, their vision crystallized, the gameplay got more refined and satisfying, and we were um, enthusiastic about the direction in which we were headed." In ramping up to full production, the massive scope of our ambition became clear. To release and support The Last of Us online, we'd have to pull, put all of our studio resources behind supporting post-launch content for years to come, severely impacting development on future uh, single-player games. So, we had two paths in front of us. Become a solely live-service game studio, or continue to focus on single-player narrative games that have defined Naughty Dog's heritage. We are immensely proud of everyone that the studio... Um, touched with this project excuse me everyone at the studio that touched this project the learnings and investments in technology from this game will carry into how we develop our projects and will be invaluable in the direction we are headed as a studio we have more than one ambitious brand new single player game that we're working on here at naughty dog and we cannot wait to share more about what comes next when we're ready until then we're incredibly thankful to our community thank you for your support throughout the years what do you think Slow clap, standing ovation from Justin Makovich.
1: Listen, guys, this is probably one of like the most like self-aware and clear messages about this stuff ever. Um, don't force a round peg into a square hole. And you like the what Naughty Dog is known for is not multiplayer. It is not known for their live service games. They're known for their story. They are known for their, I guess, their gameplay, but that's the stuff that they're known for. And I don't know if this was Naughty Dog with pressure from Sony to try to make a live service game or what, but the fact that Naughty Dog stepped up and said, we are not going to do this, we are not going to change the fabric of our company to try to make this game work even if the game is fun even if the game is going to be good we're not going to do that i think that is such the right move for these studios uh, because we've seen too often bioware destroyed by the fact that they had to start to create live service games anthem anyone remember that um I mean, you can just name the list uh, of uh, of uh, companies: uh, Marvel's Avengers. Another like situation: uh, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Um, all of these things about studios that are are, are fo- trying to follow these fake trends of money, I guess, um, in order to make multiplayer games. And the fact that Naughty Dog looked at it and the, they're like, "Listen, we're not going to be that company. We are going to be hurting ourselves for the for the not only the next few years for." the rest of our lives as a studio. Yeah. So I think this is great. I think to what you said as well, the fact that they have communicated this message in this way, I think is, they're controlling the narrative here. They're not letting things come out. They're the ones who are posting this. They are the ones who are saying this. And even if it is skewed to like, make it like, yeah, the gameplay was great, everyone. Even if it's not great, it doesn't matter. They're giving you a justification for why it's not going to make sense. And I feel for the people who put their heart and soul into this game. Um, I feel for that. Uh, I, I wonder how much of this is something that we are going to be seeing in that DLC for the last of us, any of this stuff. I wonder how much, um, like part two, a lot of the game stuff, the gameplay, the, the stuff like that. I wonder if any of that was like a test bed for the online services, the, with the, the PS five version that's coming out.
0: But I guess I'm saying like, what do you mean? Like what in there would be a test of the online services if it's a single player game?
1: was like the roguelike elements of it.
0: Just in terms of like the gameplay or are you, t- are you saying? Yeah. Like- yeah. Like oh, the loop I see. Of I, see it. I see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not not that it's like going to be like a factions or anything, but I wonder got like it, how, it. where that came in the process of getting this like more online thing. Were they going to have mm-hmm. like wave based partner shooting stuff? I don't know. Um, oh, I see. I see. I see. But, but I, I, it doesn't necessarily matter to me. I mean, I, I think I am happy that they're doing this um, because I don't want to lose my naughty dog.
0: That's the thing. At the end of the day, like, was this going to be like a fun game? Maybe. Um, But would I much, much, much rather play the next game from Naughty Dog than this? Yeah. Like, a a thousand percent. Um, And and, and, I agree with you, right? Like, I'm glad that Naughty Dog as a studio is able to say that. Maybe it's because they have the clout behind them them, and Sony listens to that. It seems. I mean, I don't know if we did, did this story over the last few weeks about, like, Bungie um like potentially losing its autonomy over the fact that it was not hitting the numbers that it needed to hit for sony like you know we don't know what it's going what's going on behind the scenes at sony but you know who knows maybe it's because naughty dog has like proven themselves to sony that they're able to say like we can't do this you know that said uh, i don't know how much i believe (laughs) this or not even believe but um let me see here I, like, I, I, how do you qu- quantify this? But basically, like, um, someone, uh, uh, technical designer Nathan Ferguson described it as the highlight of his career for us this far. Um, oh wait, wait, wait sorry, sorry, sorry. There's something. Someone said that it was the m- more fun than any of the other online games that Sony was working on here. Um, or maybe it's a misleading headline because actually, now that I'm reading this article, um. Oh yeah, they, they said that it's just more fun than any other multiplayer game they had played before. Um, so that is not what the, the headline here is. But what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, I bet this is probably pretty fun, but you know why? The combat in The Last of Us Part Two is pretty fun. Like it it just is, you know? Um, Yeah, I,
1: like I, I, I'm not necessarily bummed about this. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the options would be to release a game that is just something, you know, just to release it because they have it done. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sure they could have made some money out of that if they wanted to do that, but they weren't going to have any like hope to keep, keep it going. Um, I do wonder like when Ghost of Shima came out with that, uh, the, is it Iki Island? Am I making that up?
0: Oh yeah. 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 Uh, well there was Iki Island was the DLC, but then it was Legends or something legends. like
1: that? Legends, yeah, yeah, yeah. How that was kind of like this like loot-based mode that they put in there that had an endpoint that they didn't try to like make this live servicing that lasted forever. Um, I wonder where that came into the equation and why did it suddenly have to be this bigger thing than just being a factions mode?
0: I bet money, right?
1: Probably, like that, probably. that was free.
0: That was a free update, you know, and and how do you monetize that? Like, I guess you could with a battle pass or whatever, but like if it's a smaller scoped thing, like I think you're going to lose a lot of people. Um, like, and I wonder like how many people are playing goes Tsushima legends now. You know what I mean? I had fun with it when I tried it a handful of nights with my friends, but I don't think that game was ever going to be something that, like, we continued to play every single week, you know, like Fortnite and, or Apex or whatever.
1: I don't think that was intended to be of course something not. that no. was like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I appreciate that about it, that it was fun and we went, yeah, this was a good time, and then just moved on, right? But, you know, if you're Sony, that's not what you want. You want games that people play forever, like, like this. But, um, yeah, so there you go. Goodbye. Last of Us Factions. Um, I personally will not miss you, but I'm excited for the fact that Naughty Dog says they've got two games in the pipeline. I'm going to assume one is the next Last of Us game, as they they sort of mentioned a few months, maybe a year ago. And then I'm assuming that they're doing that Stray's Cross game that we've heard a little bit about. It's been a long time since I've heard anything substantial about that from in the news. But
1: there you go. I don't want to, like, bring up old wounds here. Yeah, um, yeah. Please, but- Justin, please do. Speaking of Last of Us factions. Yep. Is there like you you are not the biggest fan of that, correct?
0: It's uh no, uh, it's not that I'm not a fan of it. It's that in the concept, the the idea of what it w- would be um I think is is gross
1: after what The Last of Us Part 2 is. But uh, I'm going back to Last of Us factions from The Last of Us. Oh, it's fun. It's fine. Do you think there is, like, would you assume, and this is just speculation here, that Last of Us Online would be like that, or would it be something different? I
0: assume that it would be something, maybe like an extraction shooter? I don't know. Um, I feel like we we didn't really even get to hear about, like, what the concept of this game was, other than just, like, The Last of Us Online, you know? Um, I imagine it would be something like that, because to my memory, Factions was kind of an interesting twist on multiplayer shooters I don't remember exactly what it was but it wasn't just a straightforward like team deathmatch sort of thing right it was like there was like supplies that you needed and like there there was like stuff that you did outside of the actual game to like impact things I don't remember exactly what that was but um, I, like, I thought that was an interesting concept and so like as a concept of this game like would it have been a good game I'm sure I'm sure I would have probably liked it a lot if it played like the last of us part two because the last of us part two plays like a dream like it, it's a really good game to play but like at the end of the day I don't know if that's like, to me, it doesn't necessarily like justify what it would be doing to the message of that
1: game. I would just like to see what Naughty Dog would do for a multiplayer game. Agreed. Like that, to to be that would be the the one thing I'm a little like sad about. I'm not like not upset at like I probably would not have engaged that much in this game, but like knowing the, how creative and unique that Naughty Dog can be, what would their take on this this specific genre be? Um, yeah.
0: Agreed, because because I think they are a studio with ideas and Mm -hmm. it would be very, very surprising to me if they just phoned it in and said, yeah, we're just team deathmatch. Capture the flag (laughs) like that would be wild to me.
1: Um, Do you think this was like actually the day after was the last of us online that they just decided? to (laughs) It's
0: a sad theory right there, Justin. Um, You have linked here. um, uh, American Pie, the song. Um.
1: Yeah. Which, we are. We said bye bye to E three. Bye bye to Last of Us factions. And now bye bye Miss American Pie. I, I do believe that this is um,
0: probably. I, I say this a lot because I think we, we just come up with a lot of them. But I would say probably in the top one hundred best songs ever written by any person ever.
1: When when the line drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Yeah. What does that mean?
0: Um. Like what was my interpretation of that, or like what does it mean literally?
1: Uh what does it mean, your interpretation of it? Like why? What does it mean? Are they are they gonna drive into the levee?
0: No. Um but so it was, it's about it's about the day that music died, right? When yeah. um who is it, Buddy Holly and a handful of other musicians all died in a plane crash, right? And so he's describing his experience hearing about that. He remembers where he was. Um he was delivering papers, I think. Uh, as a kid, when when this happened, it, it, that is my understanding of it. Maybe it's fictional. Maybe it's not. Um, but he he mentions all these different like moments like that. And so going to the Chevy, uh, as, uh, driving a Chevy to the levee, right? He's driving. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it like how like Ben Shapiro does things. He's like, so we're gonna break this down. So to the Chevy to the levee. So the Chevy's an American car. Um, you know, but so so he drives his, his car to like the dam, right? Or so like more of like a retention water area, right? Um, but it wasn't there. And so to me, it's it's like he went to go almost like fill his cup, enjoy a moment of maybe serene peace and understanding moment, a meaningful reflection uh, at the levee. But the water wasn't there. He wasn't able to do that. There was a it was left unresolved in the same way that maybe a lot of people, um, Mr. Don McNeil included, feel about um, the death of of these brilliant musicians so young in their lives.
1: That's, That's a good way of looking at it. Thanks. That's positive. That's a that's a positive view of it. You, um, you think it's positive? Because to me, that like that that
0: unresolved moment, that like not being able to reflect, not being able to have that time or think about it to to really break that down. To me, that's kind of sad.
1: Well, you will remember that my interpretation was they were going to drive the Chevy <laughs> into the levee. Oh, yeah, okay, I guess that's <laughs> fair. I guess that is fair. Um,
0: who knows? I mean, oh, hold on a second. Genius.com. American pie
1: or maybe the levy is Eugene levy and they're just Ooh. like you know getting ready for Shit's Creek before that was a thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, hold on a second. Most students... I'm not, I'm not 100% here, but um, let's see. Let me, let me read this to you here. Most students of the song see this as a metaphor for the death of the American dream. The Chevrolet was a very popular car among young adults who would often gather at the leve- levee to avoid adult supervision. Drag races would happen at levees. Levees appear a lot in, uh, in a lot of blues songs, such as When the Levee Breaks i um, covered by Led Zeppelin. A popular interpretation is that this line refers to a um, Worcestershire bar called the Levy. However, locals refute this stating that no bar ever had that name. Um, so I guess just the death of the American dream. which Makes sense. If these people die, right. If I Gosh. was a youth,
1: if I was a youth though. And I'm going to a dry levee, I think that's a good thing. I could get in my get in a drag race. Like in that Grease movie.
0: Like in that Grease movie, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, the one with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I actually do think this is one of this is truly one of the greatest songs ever written. This verse here: do you, do you write the book of love, and do you have faith in God above, if the Bible tells you so? Now, do you believe in rock and roll? Can music save your mortal soul? And can you teach me how to dance real slow? Come on, come on. He's like, it's well, I know good. that you're in love with him because I saw you dancing in the gym. You both kicked off your shoes. Man, I dig those rhythm and blues. I was a lonely teenage bronkin buck with a pink carnation and a pickup truck, but I knew who I was out of luck the day the music died. God damn. That's
1: it's pretty so good. good. <laughs> it's pretty good.
0: Oh, it's so good. Okay, I actually have to close this. Otherwise, this is going to be a podcast about this song
1: um <laughs> we have covered music art yeah video art, games video games food
0: did we cover food 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 uh, yes I can talk about eggnog. we did we mentioned eggnog. we covered they, oh, food and, and your, yeah your and you're in pot roast man okay. i've we officially are, closed
1: out of that tab we are a cultured bunch
0: <sighs> yeah um so there's a new sony patent that apparently <laughs> they have filed so I, I just need to move on otherwise i'm not gonna <laughs> stop talking about the song um uh, uh uh, sony apparently has a, a patent on um adjusting difficulty um depending on how a player is playing uh a lot of people are sort of freaking out about this not freaking out i'm just like saying like this is no good or bad or something like that first of all companies file for patents all the time tons of stuff never come out of that but then also like to me i don't understand what separates this from other like dynamic difficulty modes that video games have like I mean, we, we talked about this before we started recording Resident Evil four from 2005 has dynamic difficulty that wasn't like touted as a feature. It was just in the game where like if you were doing poorly, the game would make it make things a little bit easier. Enemies would miss their shots. They would be a little bit less aggressive. But then if you had like a lot of health items and were doing really well, they would be more aggressive, be more accurate. You would have to use more of your your items and stuff like it's just something that's been in a lot of video games like Left 4 Dead or you had one, too. Didn't you wasn't that, like MLB the show or something like that?
1: Yes, I'm on this uh, this uh, article from this website called The Gamer by a Cameron Miller, and they say the 10 best games with adaptive difficulty. Um, they say Resident Evil 4, Left 4 Dead 2, Oblivion, Mario oh, yep. Kart 64, Half-Life 2, Metal Gear Solid 5, Mega Man Zero, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mortal Kombat and Pokemon Yellow, of all things. So, we're going back quite some time uh, to see that this has been happening. Um, in Breath of the Wild, you start killing a lot of the low level grunts. They become higher level grunts eventually. Um, in uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, you start shooting people in the head a lot, giving them a lot of headshots. They start wearing armor and adapt towards your play style to make you have mm-hmm. to do it different, to make it more difficult um Mario Kart 64 famous for its rubber band physics that make it even if you're far ahead the 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 opponents behind you are literally stretched and shot past you to go faster in order to give yourself a challenge so you can't just like go through the 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 game um and uh, win on your own so like I mean this is normal guys this happens people Listen. And like and like makes for more interesting experiences. I don't know. <laughs> like Yeah. Don't you like don't you want a game that is challenging enough for you and that kind of adapts with you as you improve so you get better at the game? um i think I, I i've said this before about souls games one of the things that gets frustrating for me about a souls game is when i feel i have spec'd out of being able to play where the area i'm at is yeah. um, either i've spec'd incorrectly or i'm over leveled so i'm just like pounding through the game so i'm not really like thinking about the combat anymore like that's not fun i want to have a natural progression that that can keep me interested and engaged the whole time. Um, One of the reasons why uh, Jedi Survivor is one of my favorite games this year is because I feel like the challenge of that game, um, if you were really going at a lot of those things and playing a lot of those battles, it was difficult but manageable because you didn't have that many upgrade options that you had in terms of like your overall strength and stuff. So I really enjoy a a game that is hard but not too hard, achievably Mm -hmm. hard. So hell yeah, Sony. Yeah, I uh, I think maybe this this will win the game award. Maybe this will win a game award for for Insomniac as they put it into their next Wolverine game.
0: (laughs) They definitely won something for.
1: I don't think they did. I don't think they won a single game award.
0: Not this year, but they definitely won. No way. They won something for Ratchet and Clank for sure.
1: Did Insomniac.
0: Wow. Wow literally none of their games have won game awards
1: yep and that's a top tier studio my friend
0: yeah i agree hey how many game awards do you have uh seven don't ask about them
1: oh i was i was gonna make a comparison that we're just as good as insomniac but apparently you are better than both me and insomniac
0: uh no we got justin do you not remember when we won all those game awards for best podcast (laughs) No, yeah, hell yeah, we
1: did. Oh, just and they gave, us, they gave us this giant Kinect 4 set.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And um, these Bionicles.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, let me yeah, wait, wait, wait. wait
1: was Jeff Keeley just cleaning out his like bedroom?
0: Hold on a second. Were these not official awards? <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's gonna be an A24 Death Stranding movie. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I'd watch that. Cast Norman Reedus, obviously. You already got your cast, Mads Mikkelsen, the whole, the whole crew. You get, have
1: your sponsor and monster energy.
0: Get Jordan Peele to direct it. You're fine.
1: Um, I think it could be great. Uh, I think sure. one of the, the best things about that game is the world it's created and some of the characters. Um, the, the just whenever you get to a cut scene with a character, it is jaw-dropping to see. Uh, so I really think that like this would be a very good cinematic movie and I'm glad it's happening. And to be honest, I think it'd be more interesting than a metal gear solid movie. Uh, because I feel like the actual like setup of this stuff is goofy to a point, but like realistic enough and like relatable enough to people that I think it is a movie that would be a good modern movie. So I'm pumped for it. I, I, I will watch this. I will enjoy it. Yeah. I feel uh, like it could, to my understanding, too, like Metal Gear
0: Solid, like yes, those stories are good, but especially with that last one, like the joy of playing that is like actually like experiencing that and trying stuff out and using the sandbox, right? Where like yeah, there's there's like that's the f- the point of Death Stranding, right? Of like playing it and and messing around with what it is, uh, like with what with what it's asking you to do, right? But also, to my understanding with that game, um, if you wanted to edit that into a two-hour movie, I think you you like that's a good idea, and doable, right?
1: Do you think Kojima directs Um, I don't know. I think, I think he might, I don't know how they would do that in coordination with someone. And I know video games, you're still directing in video games. I, I just would assume it's quite, if he's never directed a movie before, correct? I don't think so. I think he would be heavily involved with it yeah, uh, and then maybe open the door for him to um, do something later. But I do know that like he loves cinema. He loves. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That's such a huge influence on him. So, yeah, I um, love
0: I love his. Um, when he tweets like saw this movie, <laughs> you know what I mean? What um, was his
1: review on the Barbie movie? And is it the same as Ben Shapiro's?
0: Uh, I'm going to say that probably they did not. Have the same sort of walking, walking away, uh, uh, walk away moment. But
1: I would watch that podcast interview in a second. Ben Shapiro, Hideo Kojima, Uh, ah, discuss the Barbie movie. (laughs) uh, (laughs)
0: What a loser (laughs) that guy (laughs) is! Not Kojima; he seems fine. Um, (laughs) Goes in with a fucking notepad, idiot. Comes out, he says, go woke or go broke. <laughs> He's <not gonna> make <laughs> any money. What a fucking dumbass. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, Justin, can we talk about Alan Wake? I want to hear about Alan. I want to hear about what your thoughts on Alan Wake are.
1: All right, so for those of you playing along, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to some, I, I guess, spoilers. I'm going to kind of go straight into it. Um, well, no, from, what I'll it like, ta-
0: from what it sounds like, spoilers for the Alan Wake section of that game, not yep. for the Saga Anderson stuff.
1: So the basically the second you get the opportunity to be Alan Wake, I did not stop being Alan Wake. And that's mostly because I feel like, at least when I was playing it, um, I wasn't necessarily grabbed by the Alan Wake section to begin with. Yep. Um, but you get that option to, like, go into the janitor's closet and jump in through a puddle to get to, to the other yeah. side of the story. And I was like, I don't really know. That's like, weird. Yeah, I think I'm going to just go back to Alan and stay there. Um and uh, I like what they are doing a lot with his side of the story. Um, I think it is really cool. Uh, so basically for it, like I mean you know this, but like how your the stories are kind of set up. you have to visit various murder scenes in this fictional I guess New York, right um, yep. in this fictional New York and you have to find clues uh, to kind of find, to get out of the dark place. And you're trying to rewrite the story in order to escape. And I guess part of that is finding these ritual murder sites. And I don't exactly know how that's the thing that's going to get you out of the dream, but like whatever. Um, and as you're going through these crime scenes, you are given a couple of different areas in the crime scene that you can rewrite aspects of them in order to change them. Like, for example, if you're in a train, uh, like a, a subway, you can do a subway after the fire. You can do a subway during the ritual. You can do a subway, whatever. And each one of those kind of changes the, the the area and changes the layout, but it there's a right one that you have to pick to move forward in the story. But you can still change the area to get collectibles and just it changes the environment. And it's really a kind of a cool little concept that makes me... It's not difficult. It's pretty linear in terms of, like, these choices you have to make. I don't have to... You don't have to guess too hard about which is the right scene to It's like, it's like to pick use one of right. three
0: options. And he, oh, right, and he tells right. you, like, this is the right one. <laughs>
1: yeah. But it just gives you enough kind of, like, cool flavor to change up these areas and to explore it and to get some cool story moments in it. Um, there's this one particularly haunting um, uh, scene pretty early on in the subway uh, when you basically... Uh, there was a ritualistic uh murder, a mass murder in a subway train that basically the the uh cult set a af- uh, uh, a fire this subway and you have to basically write that they did that and then you have to crawl through the remains of the subway with all the charred bodies around you um and it's like a truly just like creepy moment and as you're just going through these these uh these different, like, scenes and these different murders, they just set it up like these, like, fun little murder stories that the the fictional character of Alex Casey is, like, investigating, and you're kind of experiencing Alex, exp- like, investigate the murders. And it's just done in a really cool way to the point where there's a lot of batshit crazy stuff happening on the outside of the mur- rituals that I still don't quite understand, nor do I think I ever will. But, like, the actual, like... Like murders themselves are kind of like connecting everything together in an interesting way that as I'm exploring these cool murder scenes, I'm really invested in that kind of the story. Um, plus like I'm starting to like put clues together about what I think is actually happening with Alan Wake. And I don't know if they're Mm -hmm. true or not. I don't know if I'll ever have those answers, um, which we'll probably talk about when I beat the game. Um, but like it is, it is a really fascinating setup that I think uses Alan Wake's ability as a writer in a very strong way. And I think exploring those worlds, even though they're not hugely open areas, they give you enough puzzle solving um, and enough open exploration to find secrets in hidden areas. Uh, what's the name of the breaker, Sheriff Breaker? Right, Tim Breaker. Um, Tim Breaker, you get to find Tim Breaker in these various areas. And the first time you meet him, it's pretty much you just walk into a room and you follow him. But then after that, it starts to become these little puzzles in order to find him. Because by finding him, you get all these uh, words of power locations that are hidden, sometimes actually pretty well throughout the map. Yeah. Um, so I am really like into his section and his area um, a lot. And I've been enjoying that stuff, uh, with the exception of the combat I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's particularly good. Um, I I think it is every time I have to fight, it takes me out of the actual mood of where of the, of the tone of the area that I'm in. I wish they limited it to very few or boldly none at all. Um, But overall I'm enjoying it a lot.
0: I think like you brought that up when we were like, before we started where you said like, how bold would it be if if there was no combat in this game? And I I, I like I, I've been thinking about that and I think that probably would be pretty cool. I think you would have to rework how a lot of it works, you know what I mean? But I, I do agree that like you could do that, huh? And that could work. And it could still be a really effective horror game, you know what I mean? Even without the fear of being killed and whatever. Um because yeah, because I, I think that is probably the the weakest aspect of the game. Um but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're liking it from that perspective. I'm worried that if you were not that if you're not interested in the saga stuff, like I think that stuff is very interesting. Um, but I paced it out so that because her stuff is a little bit more action focused and a little bit more um, straightforward. Right. than than Alan's stuff. So I'll be curious to see wh- what you think of the game, having played it all the way through with Alan. And then all the way through with Saga, because what I did, I I switched back and forth when I needed a break from the more action investigation stuff from with Saga. I switched over to Alan, right, and did some of his more cerebral, like weird shit. And then once I was like, all right, I'm done with that, I hopped on over back to Saga, you know, so I'll be interested to hear what it's like for you going straight through with with her.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the thing that, like, turned me away from continuing with her story probably the most, and we talked about this last time, I just don't feel she is reacting appropriately to situations.
0: Yeah, you. to be honest, you might feel that way throughout the rest of this game yeah,
1: and she just feels very like oh this is weird um and like i'm just not i i'm just not like super into that part of the story yet i think it's going to be interesting to a certain point i'm going to be interested to see how the two stories kind of connect because there are these definite like overlap parts that i'm sure touch each other um in the opposite stories um and i, I don't think i'm going to dislike it because i think the investigation itself is going to be interesting and i yeah. think ultimately finding out how it all ties up and like getting to that end point is going to be enough of a draw to get me through those. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good game. I cannot tell you that it is a perfectly flawless game. I cannot tell you that it is one of my favorite games ever, but I can say it is one of the few games this year that has me think, um, doing a lot of interesting guesswork as to what is happening constantly throughout the game. And yeah. I just think it is the, the, the overall package of it, the graphics of it, the um, way the story is told to you, um, the actual like interesting like elements of at least an Alan side, how you're uh, creating the story um, as you're going through it is just really, really interesting, fascinating and hella creative. So uh, I, I, it's not an easy recommend for me as a game in general, um, but like it is an easy, like, uh, and <laughs> it's just a good game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it is, yes. it is, it is a interesting, unique game that you don't get a lot of. Um, did you uh, hear anything about the sales numbers of this game? did not sell well.
0: Uh, less which, than a million I saw,
1: which is shocking to me. And I don't exactly know what the reason is because I don't think a game could have been more perfectly released, at the end of Halloween and more perfectly priced <laughs> with it being cheaper than a full price game. Um, does that mean the power of physical media is the difference here or did people just not give a shit about Alan Wake?
0: Um, I, I think I, I wouldn't say that it is, um, the physical media necessarily. Cause I, I think that for the most part, physical game sales are down that might play a, a factor in it, but I, I wouldn't say that, that that is, um, that that is like the big reason I would say that this is a hard game to pitch to people. Right. Uh, You've played the original Alan Wake, what twice? Once and Uh, a half. But yeah, sure. But like, so you were able to sort of pick it up and and go like, oh yeah, I know what this is. Right. But like, if you've never played (laughs) Alan Wake before, never played control before, how do you even begin to explain what happened here? Elena asked me like, so, what is this game about? And I was like, I, you don't want me to answer that because you don't want to hear me talk about this game for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, she's like, no, no, like, what's the story? And I was like, yeah, no, that's like, <laughs> you, you need to sit down and, and get something nice to drink. Like, we're going to be here for a while. Um, and and so like, I think that probably hurts it, right? It's a sequel to a game from 10, 13 years ago, right? Uh, they also, they, who, who said this, um, whoever like released the sales information, um, said something about, uh, uh, how they usually get a bump in, um, oh, here it is. This is from Piers Harding Rolls, who is, um, a games industry analyst, um, they said this on Twitter, our global Alan Wake 2 sales estimate across console um, end of November is uh, eight, uh, r- roughly 850000 Um, which again, that's end of November. It came out in October at the end of October. So that's in a single month. I think there will be a fair amount of interest at a reduced price. And when there is a subscription service included down the line, I assume worth noting that Alan Wake remastered got a decent boost in October, November as well. So like, maybe not a total failure necessarily, but, um, that also, it's important to remember that control only sold 2 million units in its first year. So like, I don't know.
1: I mean, control is a hard sell to people too. I mean, (laughs) you know, when you really think about it.
0: Yeah, but I would say, I would say it's an easier sell than Alan Lake. I could pitch it. It's like, what if the United States government had a real department of mysteries from Harry Potter? And then that's the game. You know, and you get superpowers yeah. and and whatever. Whereas with Al to I'm like, so he's like a writer. you got to, okay. Uh, actually, you know
1: what? <laughs> you know, I, I I think this game could have benefited from a, a succinct explanation of what happened in the previous game at the beginning.
0: I'm surprised that there was no last time on or recap for it.
1: I mean, it could have been, like, an easy setup with the FBI agent coming to investigate this town where this mysterious writer. Like, they could have done it in a way. And the the clues are there. It is talked about. But, like, in a nice, simple, you're looking at the the crime board at the beginning of it. And, like, you're going through the the clues of the case. Um, Yeah, you definitely could
0: have been, like, Alan Wake. Let's go over what happened. Alan Wake was a writer. He came here, blah, 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 blah. And even there are some details that, like, they just don't comment on. I knew because I'm a fan, right? At the beginning, Nightingale is the is the naked guy who comes out of the lake. Uh, he was the FBI agent from the first game. And they, like, kind of, like, touch on that. But they, they never, like, explicitly say, like, do you remember him? You, you know what I mean? Not that, And maybe they don't have to. Like, I got it. And, like, I'm a fan. But I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I think it yeah. might have benefited from
1: But that's just me. Um, can I also tell you something a little bit controversial here? Please, please, please. I understand that the actual voice actor of Alan Wake does not look like Alan Wake. Yeah. But them dubbing the voice actors lines over the actual actors lines ruins in the live action every, stuff. Every single time they, 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 he talks in the live action and just ruins it. Like, I think there's so much good mood and direction and tone in those scenes, but every time he opens his mouth, it's just like, you're clearly not acting those lines. Like, it's such an afterthought, which begs the question, why were they live action?
0: Oh, I think. Uh, interesting. I, I find them to be so bizarre that they feel good and right. So we, weird that but, that
1: it is. it does make you think, like, oh, this is weird. There's something going on with this. But, like, that's the only, unless that's a reason part of the plot, which I could also see that happening. Um, But, like, that's uh, the only character to do that. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, no. Well, because Sam yeah, yeah Lake, Alex Casey. Sam, yes, Sam Lake is is him. In he the- talks
1: to Sam Lake, which is so fucking meta and funny. Yes. Um. Not. I don't know if it's funny, but like it is just that extra layer of everything on top of it. Um. But yeah, it's just it's very unique, very different, very. Unique. Um. Do you like it though? The game. Yeah. I'm enjoying my time playing it.
0: Okay. Okay, I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, like I, it's better than the first game for sure. Um, I think structurally, I'm really digging the story structure of it. I really like yeah. how they're doing this. Um, I like the dual perspective narratives, even though I'm a little bit um, uh, hesitant on saga side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as someone who really does enjoy storytelling, this is such a unique story and i think yeah oh yeah it's so much more interesting than the first game i think in terms of how they tell the story um because i feel like the first the first one is just it's fine
0: um it's it's the sort of game that like promises that it's going to lean into the whole idea of like writing a narrative a little bit more than it ever does yeah like, it like just being, it, a, being a narrative about narratives but it, it doesn't really get into that
1: yeah, and it, be, it basically just becomes a light puzzle shooter game.
0: Yep. Yeah. But um, and the puzzles just shine your flashlight at it. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now for the story of the journey of Alan Wake. Justin. Alan Wake. What did you think of We Sing? The chapter, um, the musical chapter.
1: So, oh boy, what did I think of it? It was fun. When they said they were going to do a musical, I was like, "Oh, this would make sense." Um, I feel Which, like By the way,
0: this was the recap. The song is the recap of everything that happens in the first game, but it doesn't count because it's uh, like there's too much else going on.
1: Yeah, it's it's a sensory overload. Um, yes. I almost wish that happened later. In the in the Alan Sure, Lake section, sure. like I feel like that would have been just a little bit more. Interesting because that is such a departure from what you're generally doing in the, Alan. What? Departure. Huh? That's the name of his novel. Go right. on. Um in return. Um yeah. I, but I think the <laughs> the moment itself, I enjoyed it visually because they do in that section something that is truly unique to video games. Um, how they arrange all the videos and all the singing and all the, uh, you know, lights and everything really does such a cool job of making a simple hallway level interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. The song I love is... to... What's that? Go ahead. I love to the... Uh, people are saying, like, I don't want yellow paint anymore for, like, directional arrows. I just want... It's, like, Sam Lake and Ilkavili and, and, yeah, everyone, like, pointing to like where you're supposed to go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um there was one moment though where I got stuck and I got very frustrated in it. It's the one when you have to follow the the signs, yeah, the yeah, light-up yeah. fluorescent signs. I thought that was very poorly telegraphed with what you need to do sure. um in that. So that was one thing that was a little bit frustrating. And then the fighting itself, every time you had a fight in that, I think it kind of took away from it because um, I wanted to watch. I just wanted to be a part of it and explore yeah. it and like see what was happening. Um but yeah, it was it was Sense sensory overload in the best way possible in a video game, and I think it would have been, as I said before, much more refreshing if I had gotten further into Alan Wake's section and then that popped up. Yeah. But... Did, um, Yeah, go on. No, you know, go ahead. Did
0: you... I mean, okay, so obviously you knew that something like that was... Oh, okay, so from the Game Awards, did you know that that would be in there, in that way? Like, like did, you, did that spoil that moment for you
1: at all? No, I think even if I knew that song was in the game, like I figured obviously the song was in the game and the the dancing was in the game. Like when everyone's like in there, like doing the dance moves, I was like, Oh, that's kind of fun. Like Alan Wake is so fucking absurd to begin with that. I would not have been surprised if they just decided, all right, you guys you are going to be dancing on stage for this show. Okay. Does (laughs) that make sense? Like that was, that didn't take it away from me. I think part of, as I said, part of what made that moment such an interesting moment was the fact that that was something you could only do in a video game. You could only experience that little maze in a video game. And it was so unique, so high quality with its just creative vision. Um, I mean, again, the the song was banging the whole time, and they did a really good job about looping everything so you never really felt like you were dragging the song behind, even if you were like wandering around that fucking room with the the neon signs for like 10 minutes being like, there's something I'm missing here.
0: It's so good, though, because it's just like, just do like a like a crazy, very very good guitar solo over it all.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean? yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: To the point where I kept, I I ended up staying in those areas longer than I think you were supposed to, because I was like, "Well, this is really good still." Like, like I assumed that it was just like continuing to go and not just like patting out me hanging out there, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was uh, a lot of fun for a moment. Um, throughout, I I cannot think of a, a, like a moment in a video game this year that. Um, was that fully creative? Yes. When, I would say it's it's. Oh, go, go ahead. I would no, say it's, it's still not my favorite moment of the year. Um, that one is solely the last ten minutes of Tears of the Kingdom. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, think that yeah, can yeah, change yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah, a long time. But, but I don't think what they did in Tears of Kingdom was nearly as creative or as interesting as this.
0: Yeah, you he heard it here first. Justin doesn't think Tears of the Kingdom is creative at all. No risks. No nothing there.
1: I mean, no, not um, really. They just copied Breath of the Wild, and they said, like, w- what if we made it not suck? I'm Avenger just kidding. I love, yeah, I love yeah. Breath of the Wild, guys, until I played Tears of the Kingdom.
0: No, but I, I do think that 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 is, in my opinion, maybe the most inventive and, and fresh little, like, section maybe in any game I've played. Like, maybe. I don't want to say ever, because it seems like recency bias, and I'm sure there's something. But, like, I've never maybe been so surprised of, like, what is this, <laughs> you know?
1: And then honestly, it keeps going.
0: It just keep like, yeah. What's that?
1: I honestly think I would have liked that moment so much better if it wasn't for a game that was literally that whole thing the whole time, and that was Hi-Fi Rush.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Like, that is I actually very fair. I,
1: I, I literally felt like I was in a moment of Hi-Fi Rush uh, as I was playing through that. Um, I don't think Hi-Fi Rush is visually cool as it was. It didn't look as pretty as what you were seeing in Alan Wake. But like it, 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 to be honest, as I was thinking about playing that game, I was like, God, Hi-Fi Rush is a fucking good game.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, a thousand percent. Um, And and like, they're, they're interesting in their own ways of like how it's all presented. Like you're saying, you know, Um, but damn, I love too. like, like I was basically like, I was playing it with Elena and she was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) I was like, I can't, this is what you're seeing is what I'm, I'm on board for all of this, and and that's where we are. We have the same amount of information. Um, Can you imagine and like, like one of
1: the spookiest games of this year is also has one of the best musical like
0: scenes in a game this year, like the most joyous musical number? Yeah, it's so fucking funny, and like and they're all hamming it up too. Um, there's a it, me and my brother were like deep in the the remedy verse lore of of it all, and so like in. It, Alan Wake punches a reporter. It's like a small it's like a small detail in the in the first game about like why he's like he pump, punches a paparazzi person and there is uh, like a cut of him like in the in the walls as they're like just like doing like the like mug into the camera and whatever where he's got like this jack eye he's got his sunglasses on the p- popped collar and he's like holding his fist up like he's gonna punch you and we're just like yeah like this is like such a fun stupid detail that like didn't need to be in there but like they did it and like for people like us we are like so excited to see those sorts of like little details about like throwaway things from the first game that don't matter at all but it is like yeah he did do that you know um but I, I love in that moment too of just like I was talking with Elaine I was like I don't want this to end and then it's over and I was like okay that's fine you go in that janitor r- room or whatever it is and then the walls all come up and they're doing it again and they're doing yeah, more of it yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, good like yeah. yeah I love it and the it, song
1: is good too it is it is a banger of a song um do they come back in that game at all those the 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 what's the name of the the old band? gods of Asgard yeah I don't know. Okay, I was going to figure that. I hope so because <laughs> yes. weren't, they, weren't they like all in the first game? If I'm correct, they were in like a home, right?
0: Yeah, they were in the, um, um the like. Were they in a home or were they in the place, in the, 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 the rehab center the, that he yeah, goes Yeah, the, reha- the
1: rehab center, which is you know whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Being experimented upon by a psycho person. <sighs>
0: Justin, I am ready for you to play the second
1: half of this game. Before you <laughs> I mean say, I'm very ready for you to play. Before this. I finish this game, yep. I want to tell you what my theory is, and you don't have to answer or respond to it. Right?
0: Okay, I'm gonna cover my face. I'm gonna start smiling right now, so okay. you don't. So, know so if- I know.
1: Okay, so what I honestly think, I think it's all a metaphor because that's fucking video games, man. The dark place is truly when Alan Wake lets his like animalistic evil side out past his writing it starts off in his in his writing he writes it there but then he lets it out into the world and he does this cuz he's he just drinks a lot he does a lot of drugs he's a depressed man and then when he comes home mr scratch is with is, is that's his, like, persona when he's, like, on drugs and, like, drunk and crazy and, like, his evilness is coming out. So whenever people are, like, have their, like, dark personas that they get possessed by the darkness, it's that they're being possessed by their, like, evil intentions and their inner animalistic inhibitions. So I think Alan Wake is a piece of shit, and as I'm watching all this stuff, I see nothing more than Alan Wake being a piece of shit and him, his sober, innocent side being like, oh, what am I doing, Mr. Scratch? You're destroying everything I love. But you know what, Alan? You're destroying everything you love. You're the troubled writer and you're bringing that into the real world and destroying everything you've ever known.
0: That is a good point though, right? That he's like, he does this whole thing about like, you know, my life got ruined because all this stuff, but it's like, it's all you, man. It, like, it's literally, it's you. Um, interesting. Interesting.
1: So that's, those are my thoughts on it as of now, as I'm playing through this.
0: Yeah, I, I I, think that's an interesting interpretation. Um, An interpretation that. I would be inclined to agree with based on
1: that. But I even think in the first game, it makes so much sense because like, it's literally like mass murder in this whole town. (laughs) Like, like all those people that he kills. I mean, it's the same thing you're saying with saga before all those people that he kills in that town. Like he's killing people. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy people probably, but like,
0: but like, but are they, I mean like, because, because in, in this game, it's, in the first game like it was unclear like are these like real people or what and, and in this game they make it very clear like these are real people who get turned into the taken by the darkness and, and yep. there's reasons for that and whatever uh, and I don't think we I said this on mic or not but like yeah with like when you're saga and you're like killing these like the taken it's like it's like a small town like people would definitely notice if yeah. like 75 people would just disappeared or like their bodies were found like oh fuck <laughs> like don't go in the woods guys
1: what if they have that last of us mechanic in there the last of us part two and it's like johnny you're my third sister (laughs) Uh, i'm i'm really excited
0: though for you to get deep into saga stuff because of all the control um stuff that that comes up with that um which i think is is quite interesting but so there you go
1: i will beat that game
0: i'm excited i'm excited for you to do that and to hear more of your final thoughts Um, Justin, I think that's going to wrap up our episode here. Thank you, dear listener for sticking around for the end of episode number 173. My goodness. Uh, Hitbox. If you're interested, you can join our discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. Again. Uh, thank you to our deluxe Patreon producers, Jay, Noel, Dave Parker, GKS. If you want to join their ranks or want to be our very first regular podcast producer for $1 a month, you can head on over to patreon.com slash hitboxpod and support us there. If not, follow us on Twitter at hitboxpod or rate this episode in your podcast player of choice. Justin, am I forgetting anything?
1: You are absolutely not. You're doing an excellent job. And I, I, I've said this before. I still fear every single day that you're going to start, I'm gonna start turn that back episode on and be like, it's your turn. And I'm going to be like, uh, okay, well, you here gotta, we
0: go. <laughs> you got to start sending me care packages, dude. Just make sure that I have good days because that, that happened because I had a bad day that day. Maybe it was a whole mm-hmm. bad week, but I was like.
1: Uh, you, got, you just gotta but,
0: start hit me with like nice little care But if you're What's if that? you're having
1: a bad day, I will I will take the bullet for you.
0: Thank you. And you hopefully and you did a
1: great job. Hopefully, me stuttering, stammering, and, and sputtering through everything will bring a little joy into your dark day.
0: It was it was Shina, nice. a little I was light. in a dark place. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I gotta figure Uh-oh. out
0: what kind of Alan Wake tattoo I want. It's gonna happen. I just gotta figure out what it is.
1: Um, it should just be like Alan Wake on your neck. Yeah, just just being neck <laughs> tattoo. Um,
0: my brother pointed this out and, and I am inclined to agree with him. I mean, basically, we, it, since the game came out, we've been texting nonstop. Um, it's the most I've ever heard from my brother. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> that's true. Um, he, he said this, I think, um, and this is a quote from the game. Beyond the shadow you settle for, there is a miracle illuminated. He says, has officially joined the I survived because the fire inside me burned brighter than the fire around me club of video game quotes that are just unreal. And I think that's true. I like that Beyond a Beyond the shadow you settled for there is a miracle illuminated. Hmm. Beautiful. Uh, hey, we're not going to catch you until afterwards but if you celebrate Christmas, Christmas. 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 Always remember old games
1: are old. Bye. Bye.